It is 1982. The waves crash softly over the pebbles, just metres away, as you take a long drag from a cigarette and enjoy the gentle sea breeze looking back into the mainland as the little boat which brought you here is pushed aground just a few feet away. This is the perfect holiday. The perfect afternoon on this perfect little island with no one around for miles. Not even a sheep. It's the most at peace you've felt for a long time. Thousands of miles from home in a country where you barely speak the language. But who cares? Everyone has been so welcoming. You even take a moment to wave to the passing boat. As you shade yourself from the sun under the sign. The only real indication that humanity has ever even been here. It's a shame you can't read it. That you can't read English. Maybe the people in uniform on that boat, getting ever closer now, could tell you more about it. Grunard Island. This island is government property under experiment. The ground is contaminated with anthrax and dangerous. Landing is prohibited by order. 1981. This is Scotland, a podcast about history and where we made it. I'm Michael Park. It is 1981. Blackpool has long been home to the conference of the Conservative and Unionist Party of Great Britain. It has alternated years with Bournemouth as the party of power comes to the seaside to convince the people of the nation that they can eat a 99 like the rest of them. Margaret Thatcher has been in power for two years, and if you thought it was in public ownership, then boy howdy did Thatcher want to privatise it. Her poll ratings are at rock bottom, and the Tories are desperately trying to stop a split from within their own party, as a group of MPs move for open revolt on economic issues. Not only that, the conference was taking place amidst an environment of riots and protests against government policy which was seen as being designed to destroy the working class's ability to provide for their families. And all the while, through the speeches and spin, there is a little container sitting in the back room of the Winter Gardens where the conference is taking place. Just a tiny little container, no bigger than a jam jar, really. A little box, the size of a jam jar that could kill every single sitting Conservative MP in the building. All they have to do is open it by accident. But luckily for them, no one does. And luckily for them, it looks suspiciously like another package, which was found at a government facility in Porton Down in Wiltshire. Even more luckily for them, many newspapers have begun reporting deep in their pages about something called Operation Dark Harvest, a group who were threatening to send dirt to government facilities all across the UK. 
And while many people shrugged, the authorities sat up and took notice. This wasn't just any dirt. The Dark Harvest Commando, as they liked to be known, claimed to have harvested the dirt, 300 pounds of it to be precise, from an island that just a year later, two tourists would be picked up from by the police and subjected to rigorous health checks before being released. They had taken dirt from Grunard, from Anthrax Island. If you support us on Patreon, then you might well know this already, but we've just added loads more to our tiers, meaning that you can now get awesome stuff from Scotland, our side project Sleep Stories, our composer Mitch Bain and artist Jamie Mowat, all for pretty much the same price as our previous tiers. If you want to support the show, this is a great way to do it and you can get some fun stuff to go along with it. Join us, won't you? At patreon.com forward slash bequietmedia. It is 1943. There is a small bang. Really no more than a pop to the ears of the people in primitive protective equipment nearby. A US Navy lieutenant is filming the whole thing in glorious colour, ready for a voiceover to be recorded at Porton Down on a later date. The men wear ordinary cloth overalls, rubber boots and gloves, a respirator with particulate filter, Put, keep the hair clean and reduce risk of face piece leaks. The canister is worn on the shoulder and is covered with a cloth pre-filter. Unfortunately, the recording has degraded significantly. The bit you can't hear is about the cloth hood being worn by the personnel to keep their hair clean. The tube that has just exploded isn't much thicker than a household drain pipe. But as the smoke dissipates, a thick, soupy brown cloud hangs in the air and begins to drift slowly, oh, so slowly, across the heather. It's anthrax. Every person on the island knows how dangerous the little spores are. Will everyone except the 80 sheep that they bought from a local farmer to inhabit an island that they bought for just £500? The sheep, held in their individual little pens, largely unable to move, begin to exhibit signs of high temperatures, shivering, twitching. They develop a harsh cough. They begin to bleed from the nose and other orifices. They suffer from fits and they lose their appetite, becoming completely dejected as the end approaches. While the people on the island watch on, they don't pay attention. However, outwardly, they look mostly normal, despite their bright, staring eyes. Within days, a flock of sheep, all 80 animals, are dead. calculations have been done. If a bomb of this kind was scaled up and designed to release the gas in a populated area, say for example a German city, I don't know, like Berlin, not only would the death toll be in the millions 
as people inhaled the gas or ate food from the contaminated ground. The city would be uninhabitable for decades, maybe even centuries. Scorched earth on a grand scale. In the tense, mass destruction stalemate in the years before the nuclear bomb was dropped in 1945, biological and chemical agents were the ultimate in mass murder. That had been proved in the trenches of World War I, where mustard gas, chlorine and other chemicals had wrecked the lives of many an unprepared soldier. And Allied commanders didn't see any reason why the Nazis wouldn't use them, despite Germany being signatories to the Geneva Protocol, which banned their use in 1925. After all, spies were everywhere. And the Allies knew that Germany was stockpiling huge quantities of poison gas. And they knew who they were testing its effects on. And since spies were everywhere, the Nazis knew that the Allied powers were stockpiling huge quantities of various agents too. Mutually assured destruction. Sound familiar? And yet the government believed that having the information and data to support the bombing of a German city was vital to the war effort. And so, the last of a flock of sheep rasped their last breath, just a few agonising days after their exposure. And then they were dragged up a cliff, overlooking the mainland of Scotland just a few short miles away, and pushed over the edge before thousands of pounds of explosives were used to cover their carcasses, bringing the cliff down on top of them. These things don't happen in a vacuum, though, especially not a really strong stone's throw away from the mainland. A Wellington bomber was brought in, and once in 1942, and once in 1943, flew low-level runs over the island and dropped bombs containing anthrax onto its targets. More sheep. But the island's proximity to the mainland was becoming a problem, mainly for the residents of the area. The Chemical Defence Experimental Station at Porton Down, responsible for the site on the island, left a van containing flasks of anthrax being returned for winter storage, sitting overnight in a car park in Leeds. And then a storm dislodged some of the sheep burials and sent contaminated livestock floating over to the mainland, which caused an anthrax outbreak in mainland Scotland. According to declassified documents, the government installed a scientist in a hotel in Alt Bay to deal with compensation claims and keep the locals as quiet as possible. After all, careless talk costs lives. And plus, the Allies had another plan altogether. Since dropping a bomb laden with anthrax onto a civilian population was a bit too much like a thing the enemy might do, ignoring, as everyone did, the kind of biological warfare used in the British Empire by colonial powers, they came up with an alternative. Using the results of the experiments on the island, they were able to determine that livestock who inhaled anthrax would die. 
and if Germany had no cattle to feed her people, then it would fall, and it would take thousands, if not millions, of people with it. All they had to do was poison millions of linseed cakes, the kind the cattle love to eat, fill them with anthrax and drop them on German fields. The cows eat the cakes, the cows die. It takes the population with them, and not only do you get a much wider spread of civilian death, always a boon, apparently. You don't have to drop a bomb on the Reichstag in order to get the desired effect. The plan was called Operation Vegetarian, and it was due to go into effect in the summer of 1944. But by then the Normandy landings had happened, and Allied forces were beginning their push through France and into Germany. So probably best not to poison a potential food source. Operation Vegetarian was canned, and five million anthrax-laced cattle cakes were incinerated. By 1945, it was becoming obvious that Hitler was never going to order the use of biological weapons. Not least because he didn't have enough bombers left to order a launch and the project on Grunard Island was shut down. Well, kind of. The agreement with the original landowner had been that they'd be able to buy the island back at the original price the government had paid for it. A bit rich since they'd dosed the soil with a deadly toxin and rendered it unfit for any habitation, but it is what it is. In an attempt to decontaminate the island, they burned the heather to destroy the spores. And guess what? It didn't work. Without any real further consideration, the island, which was now a burned landscape, more reminiscent of Mordor than the Inner Hebrides, was quarantined and left alone save for once a year, when a team from Porton Down would return to take soil samples and change the year on the warning sign. The same warning sign that a team calling themselves the Dark Harvest Commando, claiming to be microbiologists representing two universities ignored when they snuck onto the island and took 300 pounds of contaminated soil from under the nose of the while the nobody guarding the place. The same warning sign that two tourists, unable to read English, enjoyed a leisurely day under in 1982, until they were taken away by the police. The same warning sign that wouldn't be removed until 1990 when finally the poisoned isle was declared fit for habitation after decontamination in 1986 sprayed almost 300 tonnes of a solution of seawater and formaldehyde over the island, before once again leaving a flock of sheep to graze there. When they returned, the sheep were alive and well, and Grunard Island was sold back to the descendants of its original owner for £500. You've been listening to Scotland. It was written and produced by me, Michael Park, and is a production of Be Quiet Media. The sequence on protective equipment is taken from the declassified film Grunard Island X-Base Anthrax Trials 1942-43, which is in the collection of the Imperial War Museum and is narrated by John Morton. 
The music for every episode of Scotland is by Mitch Bain. You can check out more of his work at mitchbain.bequiet.media. Jamie Mowat does amazing illustrations for us, which you can see in our episode art, by prints at tidlin.com. Scotland is supported by Chris Lingwood, Scott McCubbin, and listeners like you on Patreon. You can get loads more from us at patreon.com forward slash bequietmedia. You can find out more about the show and read transcripts on our website, scotlandpodcast.net, and we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Find us by searching Scotland, a Scottish history podcast. Thanks for listening. Look after each other. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated if you can. We'll see you next time.